What is up everybody? I wanted to take a second to share with you an upcoming event I am hosting that I am beyond excited for. On May 16th at 7pm Eastern, we are hosting our next Breathe With Cannabis event, and this month's theme is that of authenticity. Now for those that are hearing about these workshops for the first time, they are a two and a half hour live cannabis and breathwork ceremony hosted online that you can attend right from the comfort of your own living room with an amazing community of like-minded individuals from all around the world. These workshops are an absolutely incredible way for any of you who have been looking to open up the psychedelic powers I speak of often with regards to cannabis on the show to be able to do so, and we want you to experience it for yourself. To find out more info on this month's theme, the breakdown of the event, and to register and save your spot, head to the link in the show notes, and I am so looking forward to guiding all of you into a more authentic expression with the help of the powers of cannabis and breathwork. Enjoy the show. Greetings, my brothers and sisters. Sending gratitude to all of you who are joining in today to accompany us down the rabbit hole of self-exploration through plant medicines. My name is Ryan Sprague, and I'm here to tell you that your frequency is now set and tuned to explore psychedelic medicines and the impact they've made among the countless psychonauts exploring the last true frontier. Buy a ticket and take the ride with me as we get true firsthand accounts of the experiences, benefits, risks, and transformations taking place within the ever-expanding world of psychedelic medicines on This One Time on Psychedelics. One of my favorite aspects of hosting this podcast is being able to connect with like-minded individuals who go from acquaintances to family in a very short time. For me, my experience of quote-unquote success in life is measured by how many meaningful relationships I have within my life. And when I take a second to look at my life objectively in the present day, I am eternally grateful and humbled by the incredible family I get to be a part of in the wide, wide world. Today's guest on the show is someone who became family to me almost immediately after we met, as I truly believe we were able to pick back up in this lifetime where we left off in the last. He is someone who helps me feel safe in my experience of life just by knowing that we are walking the planet at the same time, and is someone who is extremely knowledgeable and well-versed on the topics of psychedelics, holistic health, coaching, and how to look at each client he works with as an individual with specific needs, rather than the typical Western healthcare views that views people and lumps them all together as simply human beings. In addition to this, he is a doctor of medical Qigong, and in today's episode, we will be exploring his recent experiences with medicines, his latest downloads and aha moments, and revisiting the importance of having modalities such as Qigong and art therapy that can act as anchors for individuals looking to integrate their experiences with plant medicines and psychedelics for lasting change in their lives far past the PEAK peak experience they have while connecting with these medicines. So please help me in welcoming back my man, Jason Ganzuk, to the show. Jason, man, pleasure to have you here for round three, bro. Let's get it. What's going on there, brother, man? Third time <laughs> time, right? Absolutely. You know, that's what they say. And it sounds legit. You know, like in my experience of life, it sounds legit. Third time is always the charm. 60% of the time it works every time. <laughs> you know, if it sounds good, most likely it's good. Absolutely, man. That's my doctrine for life. You know, I'll try anything twice. And, you know, at the end of the day, like we were talking about before we hit record, you know, I try to take myself as less seriously as possible. And, you know, what that really allows me to, uh, understand about myself is that 
it's really by being able to meet people like yourself and have the opportunity to have so many amazing dialogues, especially on this show alone, let alone the ones we've had in person over some great smoke that, you know, allow me to realize that really at the end of the day, it's really just about putting your all into things. And it's not really about whether you get it right or wrong, or even that that even exists. It's just about doing it with full intention and full heart space turned online. And if you do it that way, I'm a firm believer that you might not get the result that you thought, but you'll get the result that you need and the result that's right for you at that time in your life. I couldn't agree anymore. And, you know, something that I often share with my clients is, you know, to the degree that you do something half-heartedly, you create space. And in that space, that's when negativity and fear comes in because we're living in an illusion throughout that space that we're creating. You do something wholeheartedly, we don't have space for judgment, opinion, expectation, anything like that to come in to where we can be completely present without any modification of the past. That is Mm. modifying the now. Well, the now actually is the future, and I'm sure you would agree. So right now is the future. There's nothing that is separate from now. We're in the future. So when we have the past modify our now, we're not living in a now. Yes, we're living in an illusion, right? And of course, we're living in an illusion anyway, but then you're living in an illusion within the illusion. And that just gets to be analysis paralysis way too quickly. You know, and, you know, one of the things that I love about the book I recently read uh, read called Way of the Peaceful Warrior, which is a fantastic book, if you haven't read it yet. It's one of those books that, you know, I imagine both of us as intellects and people that love learning. Sometimes I read books that, you know, I enjoy, but also I'm, I'm, I'm more focused on learning something from. This was a great book that I could literally relax to. And I was excited every time I turned it on because it wasn't so much about me learning something. It was just about having the experience of reading it. And in the story, this guy, Dan Millman, he meets this, uh, you know, older gentleman that he nicknamed Socrates because he's just so, you know, alive and wisdomful. And one of his like further lessons that he learns from him is, you know, he starts talking about the future and Socrates looks him right in the eye and he goes, where are we? And he goes, what time is it now? Right. He's like, okay, that's all that exists. Right. And I think that's what we're illustrating here so perfectly and poetically is that, you know, really at the end of the day, the only time that we really have is now. Right. And it's the thirst trap of society. Right. Because the thirst trap of society tells you, hey, your past matters, your future matters. But they never really talk about the present moment, right? Of course, when you get into more spiritual doctrines and you obviously get into the Czech world and all the worlds that we're both a part of, yes, the present moment becomes a thing. But I have to remind myself that really we exist in a very small bubble, right? And it's like, I was just talking about this with Dr. Nathan Riley. One of the areas that I that I noticed this so much is within airports, right? Like things like this that are something that if it wasn't because I had to travel somewhere, I would never be a part of. There's nothing about an airport that gets me excited, right? But at the end of the day, you know, realizing that we're in this bubble really allows me to tap into so much deeper purpose, right? Because I know and I can feel how many of our brothers and sisters are suffering because they just don't know what they don't know, right? And I think that's one of the amazing things that psychedelics can bring to the table. Of course, other modalities as well. But the challenge with other modalities is that most of us don't have time to go practice 20 years on a mountain and live in a cave like a monk does, right? 
But at the same time, we have access, and especially with the destigmatization happening and everything that's going on now with psychedelic research, we have a lot more information and accessibility available to us to interact with these medicines that can act as the perfect pattern interrupt to allow us to enter the now and experience that. And once we experience that, we now know it exists, right? And now we have more framework from which to live life. And I think that's one of the most powerful aspects to being able to interact with these medicines with conscious intention, right? Because if you don't interact with conscious intention, it's not that you won't get a fun result. You might not have, you might have a great time. You might have a challenging time, right? But what, like what I always tell people is that it's not so much about like, you know, the, the authority of like, you know, oh, you need to have an intention to do this, but it's like, Hey, if you were going to a store, right. And you didn't know what you wanted, right. What would you end up with? Probably a bunch of stuff that, yeah, you might like enjoy might be bad for your health might be good right but if you go there with a list right and you know what you're looking for then you have the opportunity to have an intention and also if something catches your eye go oh interesting well i know what's on my list i know what experience i'm looking for does that vibe with my experience does that kimchi for instance accentuate my health that's in my basket already oh maybe it does oh maybe it doesn't right but being able to have that awareness and that intention allows you to have that anchor, as I talked about in the beginning of the podcast, that allows you to really get the most out of the experience. And I think that's the most powerful aspect that I think psychedelics are really bringing into our world is the ability with conscious intention to allow us to enact the now. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you're right. A lot of people don't have the time to be, you know, meditating for hours a day throughout years. You know, and that's the thing. I mean, even if you're, for example, to spend hours a day meditating for years, who's to say that you're actually really meditating? A lot of people meditate and they're actually really not meditating. You know, not to discredit the action that they're doing with wanting and trying to meditate, but still, a lot of us really haven't ex- experienced the pure meditative state, which is really the essence of life and being present. So, working with, you know, a variety of different plant medicines, each medicine has different aspects that create different perspectives and perspectives in us to where we can actually utilize that energy to where we can be present. And that's the thing you can spend, have it be 15 to 25 minutes working with 5-MeO-DMT within 15 to 25 minutes, you are experiencing what you would experience throughout a decade of meditating. If you're actually meditating correctly, um, is it a spiritual bypass? Absolutely not because you still have to do the, the essential work that's necessary for integration. So it puts you in that place to where you can feel it and experience it. And then after the afterglow wears off, then you actually have to take the critical steps to where you can actually get to that destination. Intention allows us to have the energy that directs us towards that destination. Intention is like putting in an address in a GPS or in your phone in Google Maps or Apple Maps. Putting that address in there is like putting the intention. Without the intention, without the address, how are you going to even know how to get there if you're going to a place you've never been before? Hello, ladies and gentlemen of the world far and wide. I wanted to take a second as you're listening to this three-part series on conscious cannabis consumption to share with you an amazing new opportunity we have for each of you. On May 16th, our waitlist opens up for our next enrollment period of the Conscious Cannabis Collective, and we have some awesome bonuses that you'll want to hear about. To find out more info and to prepare to join the waitlist when it opens up on the 16th, head down to the link in the show notes and check it out today. Now back to the show.
What's up, ladies and gents? I wanted to take a second while I had your ear to share with all of you a very important announcement. Now, anyone who's been listening to the show for some time now knows that I am passionate about coaching and helping other coaches up-level their coaching practice. What I have noticed in working with hundreds of coaches is that coaches of all different types are facing challenges with being able to get their clients strong and consistent results, understand where to put their energy to allow their practices to thrive, stand out in the vast sea of coaches, move from imposter syndrome into trusting themselves, and ultimately make the money necessary to be financially independent in their coaching practice. The root of these issues comes down to a lack of connection with your creative force as a coach and entrepreneur. Now this is why we at Highly Optimized have created the Connect with Cannabis 10-week coaching certification program. The reason that cannabis is the focus of our program is because cannabis acts as an imagination medicine. And in order to break free of these challenges, you must first be able to imagine yourself as the coach that is successful and has been able to break free of these challenges. When you are able to truly imagine and connect with the most powerful version of yourself, you can find the clarity to build your business, your authentic voice to speak directly to your clients, and the faith that you can overcome everything standing in your way. Once you have experienced and learned how to achieve these results for yourself, you will be able to offer this same unique skill set in your coaching practice to support your clients in overcoming their limiting beliefs and allow them to experience the breakthrough results that will make you stand out as a world-class coach. In this program, you will learn the science behind cannabis, how to experience the healing powers of cannabis, and how to facilitate these healing powers with your clients. With personalized one-on-one support on how to apply these frameworks into your business and weekly group calls within a community of coaches just like you, you will be equipped with a unique skill set that will allow you to get consistent, powerful results with your clients, feel confident in your coaching abilities, and allow you to gain financial independence while having the opportunity to wake up each day excited to share your important work with the world. For anyone listening who is hearing the call to set yourself apart and develop a unique set of coaching skills not found anywhere else in the world, jump over to the link on our Instagram bio and book a complimentary call with me today. Together, we will go over your current challenges in your business your goals for your business, and decide together whether you qualify for a seat in the program. The next class begins February 9th, and spots are filling up quickly to be a part of the budding movement that is cannabis coaching. So book your call today and position yourself as a leading voice of how to work with this sacred plant medicine in your practice. Thank you all for your continued support, and as always, enjoy the show. Absolutely. How are you even going to know where you're going? Right. And there's, you know, there's also like, you know, an argument to be made like, yeah, maybe if you don't have an address, you'll find a cool back road that you don't know about and it can be enjoyable. But the 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 possibility of that to happen is much smaller than if you have the address. Right. Because then if you have the address, you can choose to take the back roads. You can choose to take the highway if you're a little bit faster. Right. And the medicines that I'd kind of, you know, correlate with each of those examples is. You know, you could do something like uh, a psilocybin or LSD experience if you want to take the back roads, right? Or if you're like, hey, listen, I don't necessarily have the most time and I'm looking for something a little bit quicker. Not to say that it's not much more powerful in most cases, but, you know, you can interact with something like Bufo or 5-MeO-DMT where that's definitely like, I mean, I wouldn't even say that's the highway. That's like the jetpack. That is like literally the rocket ship to the divine. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, 
my opinion on you know those those medicines or the sacraments uh 5-MeO-DMT and and Bufo is it's something that I think a lot of people should experience now I'm not saying everybody should do it because there are certain contraindications that will prevent somebody from actually engaging and working with it but just because it's so powerful one of the most powerful psychedelics and plant medicines in the world point being that I'm getting here because I just actually ran a little brain fart on that Uh, (laughs) I was just going really quick there um, <laughs> you were taking the jetpack. Just, yeah, just just because it's so power, just because it's so powerful, doesn't mean that somebody can't handle it. If there's proper facilitation, um, and the person who's serving the medicine really knows what they're doing, because that's the thing. Some of us, a lot of us, actually need that 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 slap. You understand what I mean? To have yes. a radical change. And sometimes working with other medicines, not to discredit them, but it doesn't give us that slap that we need. And that's the thing that slap is, you know, a death, you know, the closest thing that you can get to actually having a near death experience is working with 5-MeO-DMT and Bufalvarius. So having that death and being able to have that, you know, reincarnation allows us to completely make a radical shift where we can see everything from a different perspective. So if proper integration is met with that, the changes are significant. They're huge. And that's been something I've really been learning working with those medicines is seeing the changes that I'm making compared to the changes I was making working with other medicines. Mm. Now, those other medicines got me to where I was, but at the same time, I've been able to do a significant amount of healing that I had no idea about. Didn't even feel like anything was really holding me back and still seeing certain barriers that I created around the wounds when I was younger in 5-MeO-DMT and Bufalvarius has definitely been a catalyst for me seeing it, accepting it, and forgiving it. Yes, absolutely. You know, I'm really glad you brought that concept up because, you know, one of the first practitioners I met of 5-MeO-DMT and Bufo was a retired Navy SEAL, right, who, you know, was helping other veterans with 5-MeO-DMT. And you might ask yourself, like, well, you know, they're dealing with, you know, PTSD, and a lot of times they've seen horrible things in, you know, in combat, and, and that's a perfect example of how sometimes like when people are really bogged down, they need that slap that's immediately going to tell them in a very quick amount of time that, hey, there's more to the equation that you might not be recognizing, right? And from there, possibilities can then come in, right? Because you don't know what you don't know until you know it. And even when you know it, you don't really know it, right? It's like a paradox in itself. But at the end of the day, it's the realization that you don't know right? It's the realization that, hey, life isn't all figured out. It's not, I haven't figured this out, right? It's not, you know, in this example with PTSD, it's not, you know, yes, this is the way I'm going to live the rest of my life. And that's all there is to it, right? That possibility then comes in of what if that's not the end of my story, right? What if this is just the beginning of my story? And what if now, after having that experience, like this practitioner did, what if after having this experience, I can help other people who I can relate to because I've gone through a similar, really traumatic experience, experience these things and allow them to feel safe because they know that I've gone through the same things. And so I think it's really important. And I saw a post you made recently that I'd love to get into a little bit here about how um, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was you that was uh, talking about it, that uh, something like 90% of practitioners are, you know, n- like not up to par. And uh, it actually might have been uh, my buddy Danny, and I'm thinking about it, but I'd love to talk about it with you how, you know, in the fast evolving world of psychedelics and plant medicines, there are a lot of people 
that even like we've explored in previous episodes with people that are actually like licensed for these things and everything like that, there are a lot of people that are administering these medicines that are not able consciously or unconsciously to guide people through these experiences. And so I'd love to speak to, to your experience about how, you know, really like, what is the idea of that? What makes someone either able to help guide someone through this experience or ultimately not help them guide them through an experience? Like what have you found kind of boils down to, if you will, with regards to allowing someone to be a guide that's successful or be an unsuccessful guide at helping someone through their experience? Definitely. Well, let's just start with unsuccessful. Mm. Um, and again, this isn't to discredit anybody personally. Mm. This is just, you know, a reflection of some of the work that people are doing. And it's important to actually really express and share this is people that have maybe only done the medicine a few times or they, they do it once and they feel like everybody needs to experience this and they want to serve the medicine. They end up getting their hands on the medicine and they just start serving it. That's one aspect. And you commonly see that, you know, a lot of, um, you know, mushroom ceremonies or people that are facilitating these that really don't have much experience or the experience they have had, they haven't been able to integrate it into their life where they haven't been able to become more whole. Mm. So if there's wholeness lacking, you're going to project that out onto the person that you're working with or the people that you're working with in a group. Now, being successful in it is being able to empty yourself to where you're a clean, clear vessel for you to release anything that you may take from the other person, because sometimes oneness is what has to be there. For example, when you're working with five and Bufo, I take the medicine with the client. So there's oneness. So there's not separation between us. Mm. So I have to empty myself and make myself a clean and clear vessel. So what's going through them ends up going through me and I release it for them. Mm. I'm not healing them because we're one. So I'm not, I'm not a separate entity in that situation. So you have to be able to understand and have the practice and integrate what you're practicing in order to empty yourself. You know, so there's, there's no thought that's getting, you know, um, there's, there's no past thoughts that are, you know, modifying your experience that you're having now. So if I'm still in a state of fear, as an example, I'm going to be projecting that fear out onto the person I'm working with. Now, that's the thing. Some people aren't necessarily, you know, they're not conscious of what they're picking up from other people, but still at an unconscious level, they're picking up that fear, even if they're not conscious of it. So it's important that, you know, I'm not saying you have to be perfect. There's no such thing as perfect. Remember, your imperfections are actually expressions of God in you. That's why you mm. have to accept it because that's how you become more whole. So it's not that you have to become perfect or anything like that. I'm not saying that, but you have to be able to empty yourself make yourself a clean and clear vessel. So of mm -hmm. course you have to be fully harmonized with the four major areas that shape your lifestyle, your diet, your quiet, your rest, passive and active rest, happiness and movement. So you need to be harmonized with those four doctors because there's not health with three of them. So there has to be all four and fully harmonized in them. So that is number one when it comes to working with doing any form of work actually, but definitely most importantly with plant medicine work is you have to have that integration and be harmonized with them. Because if not, there's going to be a part of you that's lacking and there's going to be a deficit in the relationship you have with that person. Yes, that, that makes perfect sense, you know, and what it really reminds me of, right, is, you know, I think what we're really talking about here is the, is the idea of awareness, right? Awareness of what is going on in your world that may or may not come into contact, right? Like say for me, you know, right now I've been going very fast for a very long time. 
I would not be in a position right now in this moment to guide a ceremony for someone, right? And I'm aware of that, right? It's not that I'm beating myself up over it. That's why it's non-judgmental awareness. It's simply awareness, right? And I really feel that's the name of the game of life is simply awareness, right? How am I feeling, right? And what could potentially, you know, either challenge or uh, propel my ability to, in this case, be a guide or even interact with the medicine on my own, right? And so for me, one thing I've found that's really important is like we were talking about with the present moment, you know, and this is a medicine I know you've worked with recently too, and I'd love to dive into it with you because it's a really misunderstood medicine and it's it's relatively new to the scene. It's not new in the realm of the scope of life, but it's new to the like the 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 modern day. And it's also, you know, misunderstood because uh, like we were talking about before we hit record, this medicine, you know, it's not exactly a euphoric by any means. I mean, you can definitely have an effect from it that is like a happy feeling, but it from the outsider looking in, it's a very like uh, aggressive medicine, right? And it's not actually aggressive when you do it, but I can imagine for people looking at it, it's easy for, them, easy for them to kind of write it off as like, that is insane. I don't know why someone would do that to themselves. And of course, the medicine I'm talking about is combo, right? Which is from the giant monkey frog. And uh and, you know, it's, it, I'd love to, you know, get into, if you know, some of the history behind it as well. I know it's been used in, you know, South American culture for a long time. And I also know that it's used specifically to clear out energetic uh, filth within you, right? Energetic blockages, energetic um, uh, things that are taxing you, right? And this is something that, you know, I've sat with combo roughly 14 times now. And every time I sit with it, I was shocked, right? The first time I ever did it, I had no idea. Like I had known about it and I thought I would never do it. And then I end up at this retreat and they're like, Hey, we're doing this tomorrow. I'm like, okay, well, you know, everyone here I trust and you know what I'm buying the ticket and I'm taking the ride. Right. So I had no idea what to expect. You know, I thought it was more of like the warrior's medicine. That's what they call it, you know, but I, you know, the original perspective I had on them is like, okay, you're going to go through something really challenging to kind of like, you know, show yourself that you can go through something challenging. That's really what I thought it was when I first interacted with it. And I remember that for the week after that, right, I would say probably even longer than that, but especially the week after that, I went right from that retreat to a vacation with my girlfriend. This was in the summer, uh, I think two years ago. And, uh, and this vacation was like, it's my favorite vacation every year. We go to Martha's Vineyard and we just like get to walk the beach. We wake up at whatever time we want. It's like vacation vibration to the max, right? And so for that week, I remember I just had this unbelievable presence, just connection to source, right? It felt like the feeling where you take like a gram to a gram and a half of mushrooms and you just cross the threshold where you can answer any question just coming from intuition, but you're not so blasted that you can't really like function in normal reality. It felt like that. And I chalked it up originally as like, oh, I was on vacation. Um, you know, I just went to this retreat that was amazing. And then I did combo a second time about a month later. And I noticed that the week after was the same feeling. And I'm like, wait a minute, is this the combo? And then I started interacting with it more with that, uh, like, you know, idea, if you will. And I started experiencing the same thing over and over. And then I noticed that if I did it two or three days in a row, it would be even more so. And so I'm curious for you, you know, how did you find out about combo? What is your experience with it? And, you know, what are your beliefs about it in terms of like what it does for the human experience as a whole? Definitely. Well, before I answer that question, I just want to go back really quickly to, Please. you know, successful yeah. um, and unsuccessful ways of serving and administering the medicine to people is if you don't have a really, really good idea of contraindications. Now, 
for the most part, all the medicines share a lot of similar contraindications, but still there are different contraindications, for example, with Bufo than there is with uh, psilocybin. So you really have to understand the contraindications. And then you also have to be very professional in how you would wean somebody off a certain medication. And you got to understand that, you know, a lot of people are taking SSRIs and a variety of other medicines, uh, medications that are contraindicated with the medicine. So you have to learn how to answer questions correctly. Mm. And then you also have to see signs when somebody may not be fully honest. And at the same time, you have to understand if somebody's taking something and they get permission from their psychiatrist or whoever prescribed them that medication, that you allow enough time after, for example, to serve the medicine. And you have to understand how that whole process works. If not, you're just playing with fire. Absolutely. Second, second thing is when you empty yourself, the reason why it's important to empty yourself, for example, working with Bufo and Five is I do something called bottoms up, which is about a fraction of the dose that we normally take for a full release. So we're sitting upright, completely coherent, um, and we're doing eye gazing and we're working with intention. But I have to completely empty myself so they can see their beauty. There's a lot of people that are first getting involved working with plant medicines. They're doing it for, you know, radical healing. They're really wanting to heal. And normally people haven't been able to really see their essence, their beauty, their love. So you have to be a mirror for them, for them to see that and experience it. So mm. if I, for example, haven't been able to empty myself, they're not going to see the beauty that they need to see inside themselves because they're just going to be seeing my fear or whatever it is that I haven't been able to release. Yes. It'll be a projection. Exactly. And that right there, for example, you know, completely creates the set and setting as well. You're part of the set and setting yourself. It's not part of just the outer world. The set and setting comes from your inner world to yourself. That's what actually creates the set and setting more so than anything. Mm. I'm not saying doing the set and setting in downtown for example, yeah. <laughs> good idea, or on but Venice beach, <laughs> but you get the point. Yeah. So living in a cambo. So that's the one medicine that I actually don't have that much experience with. And I actually recently just did it for my first time. Um, so I haven't necessarily spent that much time really investigating and looking more into it. So I don't really understand kind of the history behind it. I do understand on how effective of a medicine it is and it's not considered a psychedelic mm -hmm. but i would say i still had psychedelic feelings and experiences throughout it because it can be very painful but surrendering to the pain and accepting the pain that's the psychedelic experience itself mm. surrendering to the pain itself that is what is psychedelic to me, that's the expression and aspect of it. I mean, life itself is the biggest psychedelic you ever do. Um, <laughs> yes. So it, kind of looking at it from that perspective is just surrendering to life is surrendering to one of the actually, you know, strongest psychedelics in the world, even above Bufa, various and five Mio, is life itself. So that's what, that's what supersedes everything. Energetically. Yeah. That's the thing is all medicines have different aspects that, that, um, heal different parts of us. You know, depending on the medicine, we can heal multiple parts of us. Ayahuasca, Wachuma, uh, Bufo, we're able to heal many different aspects. But there are also certain aspects working with those medicines that we're not able to heal through Cambo. We are, you know, so that's the thing. We can we can really just have a, 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 a visceral detox. It can be very, very deep and profound. I My kind of interest, what, you know, led me to do it actually is hearing how good it is for the gut and healing, you know, the digestive system. I have, I've had really great digestion, but I had a nasty fungal and parasite, fungal and parasite infection when I was younger. So my stomach is still extremely sensitive or was extremely sensitive. 
Um, so I was just really curious on how it would work with my gut, how it would heal it if it would. And it, it, I would definitely say it's healed it quite a bit and how I'm able to, you know, have a gauge of that is seeing that I'm not as sensitive to certain foods, you know, now I don't eat gluten and I don't eat pasteurized dairy and I stay away from a lot of grains, but there are certain vegetables or certain starches, certain squashes I can have now without any sort of reaction, negative reaction. Um, and I definitely have to give the credit to the Cambo for that because it was very healing on my gut. And the fact that I did purge down the South end, not, you know, the North end, our mouth yeah. um, was also another indication and sign that I was releasing a lot from my gut that, mm. you know, uh, no supplement can get to and heal. There's, you know, that's the thing. It can only get so deep. Um, so the Cambo heals us energetically at a very, very deep level and it gets expressed physically through being healthier. Yeah. You know, I would agree with every single aspect of that. And, you know, one of the things I've noticed, and we talked about a, a little bit about this before we hit record too, was, you know, the times in which I have done combo for either one day or multiple days before a medicine ceremony. Um, I remember the first time that I did this, it was actually, uh, I did combo for two days in a row. And then I did uh five MEO on the third day. Uh, and I went pretty deep on the five, uh, the system I used, uh, was from a facilitator who has these uh, dosed out vaporizer pens. And so you go from number one all the way up to number, uh, he had only up until number five. And at four, I whited out. You know, I just, I had my experience, right? I didn't need to go to five. And uh, the second time I did five, I ended up going all the way to number six. And I had a very like prophetic experience or profound experience. But at the same time, it felt a little cloudier. And you know, again, correlation doesn't necessarily equal causation, but I know that when I've done combo before I've interacted with psilocybin, before I've interacted with LSD, it has been, I mean, it just feels like a clean slate. It feels like I'm much more open. I have much more space available. And, you know, I almost have a blank canvas rather than a canvas that's already had paint thrown on it. And now I'm trying to th like paint around, if that makes sense. And, you know, one of the things that's so powerful about combo, and I've done a little bit of research into it is, you know, many of the peptides are unknown, but many of the peptides in it are also known, right? And, you know, there's, there's almost no other substance that I've researched that has that type of peptide profile to it. And it's funny because, you know, this, you know, combo has been used for years and they actually nicknamed it the jungle vaccine, right? Because it allows your white blood cells to go on kind of like the quote unquote attack and it pumps them up. Right. And so it can be great, you know, during the original hysteria with COVID, right. Where no one really knew what was going on yet. I did quite a few rounds of combo just to set myself up right now. Of course, I had already done the work ahead of time to ensure that I was healthy. You know, as, as you and I both know, health is really a, a spiritual practice in and of itself. And I had already, you know, far launched into that, that, that spiritual aspect of myself and getting my health in order. But, you know, really for me, you know, I use my own experience as the best test, right? You know, whenever I learn about something and I'm curious about doing it, I, I will research it a little bit, but I'll always leave it open-ended, right? I'm not like, oh, I know what to experience. I know what this is going to be, right? Because I know that's the ego just getting in the way and trying to make sense of what's going to happen. So it doesn't feel challenged or like it's going to die or any of these things. So when I started interacting with Combo, you know, I I had an idea of what it was going to do, but I also left plenty of room for anything else that came up during it. And like I said before, you know, what I found is just 
you know, yes, it can be a challenging medicine. You know, I would say, you know, challenging more physically than anything else. I mean, really the other aspects are really like the takeaways that I got, like the insane amount of emotional awareness and and presence and space, space I got the mental chatter dying down, uh, the deeper connection to source, but the physical component of it can be challenging. Right. But at the end of the day, you know, the way that I view it, and, and this is not the way that everyone views it, of course, in the world, but, you know, Comfort is, I think, one of the biggest challenges that humanity is facing right now is that we've become too comfortable and we've forgotten that, you know, it's kind of like that pain for pleasure thing, right? And this is why I think a lot of people love exercise, right? They don't love it at first, but eventually there's something that clicks on where they're like, I enjoy the pain, right? And that can actually take them to, again, you got to find the balance because you can go too far and injure yourself, right? But, you know, at the end of the day, I think about specifically with combo, but really with any medicine, the fear is kind of like the price to pay for potentially having a life altering experience. And if that's the price, then yeah, I'm okay. I know I'm not going to die. So what is there really to be afraid of? And even if I did die, I'm just another chapter in a sea of infinite possibilities. I'm divine. I'm infinite. Like all of us are. And so really, what is there to be worried about other than, you know, making sure you're around people that can handle their stuff if they're going through the same experience. And, you know, That's one of the things that I've noticed with regards to set and setting, like you talked about is, you know, uh, so many people, uh, at least that I know got started doing psychedelics at music festivals. And you want to talk about like the, the, the boss level of doing, you know, psychedelics. And I don't mean boss in like a gangster way, but I mean, boss in terms of like, you're fighting Shao Kong from mortal Kombat. Like as a beginner, you're, you're going to a psych, like you're going to a music festival interacting with these psychedelics and, you know, for me, that's been one of the main reasons that I feel so many people have challenged experiences because they don't, they've yet to understand how much they're opening themselves up and essentially like taking away their protection, quote unquote, to interact with other people's energies. And then they're putting themselves in these situations that, you know, all of a sudden they're around 50,000 people of which they really don't know any of them and what their backgrounds are and what they're there for. And in my personal experience, you know, I've felt quite a bit of pain and almost had other people's experiences most of the time when I've done psychedelics in that type of, you know, uh, set and setting without doing a lot of prep work beforehand. Hello, everybody. I hope you are all enjoying the show. I wanted to stop by and fill you in on our brand new, completely free to join Facebook community called the Highly Optimized Ceremony Circle. Now, I imagine many of you are aware of the newest creation within Highly Optimized, which is the Connect with Cannabis 10-week coaching certification program. Alex and I have been having so much fun empowering coaches with the skill set of coaching with cannabis and helping them up-level their coaching practice that we wanted to create a place where anyone could join to ask questions, receive free information on how to work with cannabis and the way we teach in the program, and be able to gain clarity around how to get the best results with their clients in order to become financially independent in their coaching practice. To join, hop over to the link in our Instagram bio and send us a request. It is our intention to assist as many coaches, facilitators, and healers as possible in the important work they are doing in the world. And if you were looking to join a community of like-minded individuals just like you, who are passionate about helping their clients achieve the highest quality of life possible, the Highly Optimized Ceremony Circle is for you. I am looking forward to speaking with all of you in the group. And as always, enjoy the show. And I'm curious for you, you know, have you found uh, in either with yourself or in your work with your clients that, you know, interacting with psychedelics in very, in, in very like 
not public places, but in very uh, uh, constricted places, places with a lot of other energy. Do you feel that, you know, and this is kind of an obvious answer, but I'm, I'm curious to see what you'll, what you'll say here is that, you know, do you find that people are more likely to have challenging interactions when they're in that type of set and setting than when they're doing it, let's say in a set and setting that's, you know, one or two people and they have a trusted guide around them? You know, what do you think the main difference is there uh, between those two experiences? Definitely. Well, number one, just to put it into context is, you know, any energies that we have around us when we're working with medicine, let's use 5-MeO-DMT as an experience, as an example, if there's somebody sitting on the right or left side of somebody, when you serve them the medicine, they're going to have a distraction because there's that energy and their ego is going to pull them more towards that direction. So mm-hmm. it's going to prevent them from fully surrendering. So say you're surrounded by hundreds, thousands of people, look at all of these distractions you have around you. Now, their energy is going to be feeding off your energy and your energy is going to be feeding off their energy. So there's, there's a reciprocal communication. Now you're in a relationship with everybody else's energy. So that's going to be feeding the experience that you're having with the medicine, um, doing it in more of a, a, you know, a, a private um, setting you know, with one or two people or have it be even a smaller intimate group. When I do groups, I normally max it out between eight and ten. And that's the max I'll do um, just so it can stay intimate. When I say intimate, not sexually intimate, that's the thing mm. there's intimacy with just being physical, but there's the intimacy of things being sacred. And that's really what intimacy is, is sacredness. Mm. So it's a smaller group. There still can be that sacredness and that intimacy. When things start going above that, I found that intimacy and that sacredness kind of gets lost. It gets kind of, you know, uh, dissolved. So it, it takes away somewhat from the experience somebody can have mm. because now there's a lot of other stuff that can be, you know, um, pretty much directing it and kind of, you know, creating their experience. So it can prevent them from maybe seeing the things they need to see, or they may be experiencing something that somebody else is completely experiencing and they may associate themselves with what they're experiencing, thinking it's theirs, but it's somebody else's. So that's why even doing group ceremonies, you really have to know what you're doing with, um, creating the energy and making sure you can clear the energy when needed, making sure that people aren't going to be, you know, feeding off each other's energy in that way. And there are those ways of doing it. I'm sure you've had experience with it in groups too. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know what I, yeah, the universe always speaks to me in food analogies. So I'll use this opportunity to use a food analogy, right? And it's like making a sandwich, right? Like you can have a lot of aspects on that sandwich, but they have to be in balance, right? If you really want to have the full experience of all of those things helping the the totality of the experience be what it is in that sandwich, right? If you have way too much, you know, uh, kimchi on your, you know, turkey sub or something like that. I would never eat a turkey sub, but you get the point. If you have way too much of one thing on there, it's going to create a lack of balance. Right. And what I found is, you know, for me, you know, especially when I'm doing medicines that are not as much of a rocket ship, like, you know, psilocybin or especially LSD, right. LSD is a, is one for me that I, I find I have a higher tolerance for more people around me. And of course it's dose dependent, of course. I mean, if you take three or four tabs of, you know, high potent LSD, you're, you're going to have an, an ordeal if you have too many people around you, um, or if you don't trust those people, but it's really like, what do each of these people bring to the combination of the sandwich, right? So are they all balanced? Are they all like just the right amount of that condiment or that essential item to the sandwich? Or is one of them way too much of something, right? Maybe they're going through a lot of trauma. Maybe they're going through just anything that human beings go through, right? But for me, the best experiences I've had 
I've had some really great experiences with, let's say, LSD, where I've been around, you know, 16 to 25 people, but those people are also like rocks. They're doing the work. They're aware of what they might, you know, come out with, you know, when we set our intentions, you know, everyone feels safe. Everyone kind of knows like, you know, what to expect, quote unquote, because of course, there's, you know, there's always room for margin and error and things like that. But, you know, people kind of understand what they're bringing to the table, what everyone else is, and they feel comfortable with one another, right? Like most of these people, especially in this situation that I'm talking about, we know each other, right? We all do similar work. We're all coaches. And so if something does come up, instead of that person kind of sitting in the corner and having an episode, they're going to walk up to someone else and go, hey, I think I'm, uh, you know, feeling something. Uh, do you have the available space to help me work through this? And that person can either go yes or hey, I'm working through my own thing, but let's go talk to this person who's clearly got plenty of space because they're running around the room with their underpants in the head or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, I think that's one of the biggest things I've noticed uh, with regards to like bigger groups. And that's the thing is like, you know, when you're at a festival or something like that, you know, it, it takes a lot of quote unquote control of like the individual to be able to be around that many people and that many like uh, uncontrollable entities, if you will, people that you didn't get to have a conversation with before to be able to actually enjoy that experience. And, you know, something that got downloaded to me uh, a while back about these experiences and kind of like the, the paradox in them was that most people go to a music festival, take a psychedelic, usually a higher dose than they should. Right. And then for the next eight to 10 hours, they try as hard as possible to pretend to not be on a psychedelic, right? I got to walk straight. I got to order a coffee without laughing, right? I got to like, you know, order food without laughing. I have to go stand in the middle of 50,000 people and see this show. And it's like, that was really funny to me to realize that most people are taking psychedelics and then just trying to pretend they're not on psychedelics the whole time. And I'm curious if you've experienced something like that as well and what you think may be going on there, uh, either in big groups or just people in general that take psychedelics and then try as hard as they can to be normal, like they got it, they can work through it. I'm curious what you would think is going on there because <laughs> I'm ever curious. <laughs> that's just an ego projection. So that's mm. a projection out of the ego. Um, and that's that's resisting and, and not allowing yourself to surrender. So you're creating tension. Anytime you're trying to act a certain way and emanate a certain way, have it be to fit in and not stand out, you're creating tension in your body. And that prevents chi from flowing. So if mm. you prevent chi from flowing by having tension in your body, how's the medicine going to even flow through you? So that, for example, is going to be uh, a negative outcome that somebody would have. Um, it may not be traumatizing, but negative in regards to they really didn't get anything out of it. So mm. why are you working with it? You're completely defeating the purpose. I look at that somewhat as a sin. Now, I have nothing wrong with doing medicine at certain festivals, depending on the intention somebody has. So I'm not against that. But if you're taking it and then trying to fit in and trying to act a certain way and not allowing the medicine just to open you up without any uh, expectations and attachments, then you're wasting something. That's the thing. We need to look at the medicine. I mean, there are certain medicines like Bufo. I mean, you don't want to be, you know, using too much Bufo because, for example, you know, there's not much of it, you know, and you're harming the toads. Most people harm the toads when they get it. Um, so you want to be looking at medicine as we don't have endless amounts. Use it wisely with intention. Mm. And you're, you're just wasting it and you're completely defeating the purpose of working with it when you're trying to act a certain way. That's why having proper uh, facilitation. Uh, someone who's, you know, um, holding the space for you. It, that's why it's it's so important to really create that space to where they can feel safe, to where they can really let go of what they haven't been able to let go of. Mm. Surrendering. You yes. have to 
feel safe to just be. And that's the hardest thing for people is just to be. They're trying to be somebody else, which is not their authentic expression. So it's scary for people just to be because they've never really experienced it. Yeah. You know, I'm really glad you brought up that topic of surrender and being, right? I say often we're human beings, not human doings, right? And we're, you know, usually stuck in unconscious cycles of doing, which can really challenge a psychedelic experience. But, you know, knowing that you have a lot of experience with surrender and helping clients surrender, you know, I'm curious for the listeners, I feel this would be a really, you know, potent medicine for them. You know, what are some tips you give people on the idea of surrender, right? Because again, like when I, like when, when I first heard the idea of surrender, I thought it was something I had to do. Right. And of course it is on a certain level, something that you do, but if you think of it more as something you have to really work hard to do, it can be a challenge, right? Because then you're getting stuck back into the analysis paralysis and the ego projections and everything like that. When really I think of surrender now, having experienced it as actually a taking away, a subtracting, if you will, of the cars and the traffic jam, right? It's actually almost like putting your computer on hibernate mode, right? Rather than trying to figure out and search on Google, how do I surrender? And so I'd love if you could give some tips or pieces of wisdom that speak to the idea of surrender and how someone might you know, experience that, what it might feel like, et cetera. Definitely. So I think, in my opinion, one of the, the simplest ways to learn how to surrender and the simplicity of surrendering is to practice honesty. Mm. Because when you practice honesty, each time we're honest about something that we haven't been wholeheartedly honest about, we're surrendering. Mm. So to the degree we're not honest, we're preventing ourselves from surrendering and we can't let go. So there's an mm. aspect of our, ourselves that we haven't been able to accept and forgive to where we can integrate that into our being to where we create more wholeness. So you can't surrender if you really don't understand what honesty is, because to the degree I'm not fully honest with myself, I can't be any more honest with you and you can't be really any more honest with me because I can't receive that honesty if I don't have it in me. I can't even feel your honesty because I'm not honest with myself. So it prevents myself from being able to really release and surrender. So practicing surrendering actually should be an aspect of learning how to integrate being completely honest with yourself. So that's a practice that we can do every day. And guess what? It's free. So just practicing honesty. And you realize as you practice honesty, you see the areas you haven't been honest about in your life. So, for example, if you're doing a job you don't love, you're not being honest with yourself. So that's what I mean. And you can't surrender any more than you've been honest with yourself because surrendering is complete honesty. That's what surrendering is because when we're not honest, we create tension, but when we're honest, there's no tension. There's no attachment towards it. So if I'm not, if I'm not honest, I have an attachment towards something that's preventing me from being honest. So I have an idea that's blocking me from being completely honest. And that's what medicine does. It allows us to erase the ideas Because the word is not the thing. Even plant medicine, that word is not the thing. There's an idea and a definition, but you define, you can find. So we have all these ideas about these words, and we think these ideas are facts, but they're not. So these ideas are what create the illusion, and that's what we're, you know, experiencing in life, are all these illusions out of these different ideas. The idea of love, the idea of pleasure, the idea of happiness, the idea of anger, the idea of anxiety – So all these ideas we have in our head and that creates our experience. So we need to let go of these ideas. And we do that by being honest and surrender. 
Yeah, that that really makes perfect sense. And that's one of the best ways I've ever heard surrender described because number one, it's actionable, right? We don't need a psychedelic to, in order to be honest, right? And also when I think about any potent psychedelic experience I've had, like what are the breakthroughs, the downloads, the aha moments? There are things that you really weren't being honest with about yourself, but when the ego's down, right? And you don't have those protectors telling you, no, you have to believe this still because if you don't, oh my God, you know, what's going to happen in life? You know, when you have those experiences, it's really like, you know, it's by tapping into imagination, right? And then from there, you can start to understand where maybe you're not being honest with yourself. And then once you admit honesty with yourself, you can redo the belief structures that therefore lead to your experience of life being one that's more grand and great in nature, right? Because a lot of us, we've been uploaded, right? And I choose to believe that everyone does the best with the information they have. So these people that have uploaded us, such as our parents or teachers, et cetera, they're going on their own perception, right? So let's think that like, you know, they think that they're doing the best by telling us what love is, by telling us that. But really, like you were saying, these ideas are not the thing, right? They're a description. They're oftentimes a really challenged and shitty description of what these things actually are, right? Because and this is essentially like what I think religion and spirituality, how they differ, right? Religion is the idea of spirituality, while spirituality is the thing, right? It's the practice, right? And I think that, you know, where there's not a clean break there, I think that one of the biggest challenges with religion is that people at some point stopped having the direct experience of God and they started writing it down. And then they started saying, well, not only do you have to read it, but you have to read it in this one building and you have to come here a certain day. And oh, by the way, we need some money as well. Right. And so spirituality is much more like, go have an experience, right? Go try meditating on top of a hill, go try some psilocybin mushrooms, right? Try whatever it is and see what you get from it, right? It's much less of a description and much more of that experience. Definitely, I couldn't agree anymore. And, you know, I feel like spirituality, life and health, all three of them are actually all reflections of each other. Mm. They're all reflections of living. You can't be living unless you're healthy, right? Yes. That's an aspect of it. So as you can see, those three are what actually creates you to be whole, to fully experience life. Yeah. You know, I love that distinction, right? You might be able to be alive if you're not healthy, right? But you won't be living, right? And that's like a very important distinction because I feel that right now in society, with the last two years we went through, a lot of people met a lot of shadow and what that shadow was, it was multifaceted. But I think one of the, the congruent things that I've seen in consistent things is that people realized, yeah, I was alive, but I wasn't living right? And I was distracting myself like crazy. And when all of that went away, the only thing left after the shooken up snow globe calmed down was a shitty broken town in that snow globe that I realized, oh shit, it's been clouded for so long that I didn't notice that my rafters had fallen down on my barn, right? That my animals had run away a long time ago because I wasn't giving them food, right? All of these kind of things in the scenario of the snow globe. And I think that that was the big gift. But again, at the end of the day, it's how we look at pain a lot of times that I think, and it goes back to comfort that we talked about earlier too. You know, a lot of people see comfort as like the the gold standard, and pain is like the the black standard, if you will, right? Like the dark standard, like the the, the shitty standard, right? But at the end of the day, as you and I both well know through teachings of Paul Check and other people as well, pain is a teacher, right? And it's there to help you understand, like at what point. Is this pain going to be too much where you finally go, okay, I surrender. I admit a truth to myself that I wasn't being honest with myself about before, that something is not right. And I must go on the inner quest and have faith to figure it out. And I'm curious for you, you know, 
I imagine you've had some challenging experiences, right? With psychedelics. And I imagine that what was able to help you in that experience is some way, shape or form related to faith. What would you say on that topic, right? Like what have been some of the challenging experiences you've had and how have you been able to, in that challenging experience, be able to come out of it, not being fractured, right? Because I feel this is what a lot of people go through with psychedelics is that they have a challenging experience and they're like traumatized from it, right? And they might not ever be able to see it as something that happened for them. And so I'm curious for you, how do you, when you're in a challenging experience, see it as happening for you? I imagine there are many ways, but what immediately comes to mind for you? Definitely. Well, that goes right back to surrendering. So anytime I'm having a challenging experience, 99% of the time, that is an, that's um, an expression of me not surrendering. So I'm creating resistance. So for me, not surrendering means my perspective is being modified. So when you surrender, your perspective isn't being modified because you're actually experiencing reality. You know, so when I'm in a challenging situation or I'm working with somebody who's going through a challenging situation, I work with what are the things that they're not surrendering to. That's what's creating it to be hard. That's what's creating there to be darkness or the aspects we haven't been able to surrender to. That's why there's darkness. So you can really see it and bring awareness to it. That's why awareness is such a powerful tool because awareness is light. So when we, when we're in dark awareness allows us to shine light into that darkness and guess what? There's no more darkness. So mm. awareness is that tool, it's that flashlight. But then we got to stay present with it. You understand? So if you shine light in a dark room, you got to stay present and keep that light there. Because if you take that light away, it's going to be dark again. So yes. holding that light there is being present with that awareness. Mm. So I have the awareness. I see it. Now I shine light there. Now I need to act from that awareness unless the light's going to go away. Mm. Yeah. You know, I think that perfectly illuminates, uh, pardon the pun, the idea that, you know, Really, it's like sitting into the shit, if you will, if you want to use a more masculine term or sitting into the feeling, right? And, you know, we hear this a lot, or at least I've heard it a lot within like a lot of the programs I've done, uh, such as training camp for the soul, where they say, you know, whatever's challenging you feel it fully, right? And that's exactly what I feel you're speaking to there with like, essentially illuminate it fully and keep the light there, right? Until that part of you, you get to reclaim as part of your totality, right? And I think that's what most people's, you know, challenges stem from, right? Is the shadow, right? It's, it's them, you know, uh, 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 not able to accept a part of them that's scary to them as, as them. Right. And really this comes down to, you know, karma, Dharma, all of these types of things. But at the end of the day, it reminds me of one of my favorite quotes, which is if you look at the, if, if you laugh at the devil, he will run away. Right. And what is that uh, a sign of, right? It's that, you know, nothing is as scary when you actually see it for what it is, right? In Home Alone, right? Kevin's scared of the furnace, right? And then one time he goes down there and looks at it and he's like, oh, shut up, right? And it completely, lo he, he loses the fear over that, right? He reclaims that fear as part of his wholeness, right? And he's able to like then go on and do the rest of what he does in Home Alone. But, you know, at the same time, it's like the classic boogeyman example, right? What do parents do with their kids that are scared of the boogeyman? Let's go look under the bed together and realize there's nothing there, right? But also, I wouldn't even say that there's nothing there. There is something there, but it's not something to specifically be afraid of, right? It's not like, you know, afraid, being afraid is the first step, but it's not the ending to that story, right? Yes, you were afraid, right? But there's a mission there, right? It's like when you go into a dark cave, right, in, in a video game or in real life, right? You have an opportunity to go explore that, right? But if you're just scared and you end it there, then you never get to go into the cave, right? And like, you know, this, this brings up the whole hero's journey and everything like this, right? What we fear has the ability 
to alchemize into our greatest gifts and greatest lessons. But I think a lot of people, because of the age of comfort, have stopped right at being afraid of things, right? And that's no way to live life. Life is then living you, right? And in order to really be a whole being and remember why and who and what we truly are, we need to be able to, or we get to be able to really reclaim that and really see ourselves as the person who is willing to go into the things that make them afraid, because we know that whatever's there is just part of what we have yet to claim into our wholeness. Definitely. So you you pretty much said the devil that you know is a lot better than the devil you don't know. Yes. (laughs) The thing is why it's so important to accept the shadow aspects of ourselves, because guess what? It's always there. Yes. Always a shadow. You can't exist without a shadow. Everywhere you are, there's a shadow. Even if there's not a reflection of it, the shadow is still there. So you got to accept that because if you don't, it's going to be projecting itself and pretty much dictating the choices and the values that you have. And that's not going to bring harmony to relationships. That will create conflict. So just accept it. It's it's a beautiful um, uh, process is accepting those aspects. Um, Why not? It's like, it's like this. It's like, this is what I share with people, you know, for integration is, you know, normally after medicine, like 99% of the time, they're in this, just this blissful afterglow uh, in union with, with everybody. And what I say is, okay, now you just realize that the grocery store you've been going to is shit. They don't have good food. They sell, you know, candy, ho-hos and, 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 you know, uh, gluten crackers and stuff. So now you just realize that. And now you actually finally went into Erwan Market. You know, if people aren't familiar with Erwan Market, it's one of the best, you know, organic grocery stores, I would say, in the world. It's like food on steroids. And guess what? It's not owned by Amazon. Yes. Um, (laughs) Erwan. So now they're in Erwan. So it's like I say, okay, now you see the differences between the two. Why go back there? And back there is the past, back to your old habits. You realize that's a place that you don't want to shop at. Now you're here and you know you want to be getting your food from here because you can live life. So it's like, why go back there? And guess what? If you go back there, that's okay. Let's find some tools that can get you back to Erwan. You know why? It's because your car is not that far outside. You can yes. always hop in your car and go back. That car or, for example, the metaphor for tools. And then you realize that, hey, actually, I don't even know how to get back there anymore. Why? It's because I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't even care to try to find it <laughs> and it's beautiful here and i want to stay here and guess what someone who goes to Erwan that you know for example either has their food paid for or they have a good amount of money to afford it since it's expensive somebody that goes there consistently they're not going to go anywhere else and that Absolutely. is an example of being present and understanding it's like why go back why go back to that shit stay in the beautiful stay in the beautiful moment now Yes. And I feel like you perfectly illustrated the idea of arguing for your possibilities rather than your limitations, right? Going forward is arguing for your possibilities, right? Not because you know, but because you have the faith that there is something possible, right? But if you go backwards, you argue for your limitations. Well, I can't afford it. Well, you know, what does it really do for me anyway, right? But at the end of the day, in this food example that we're using, I love food analogies, you know, who's to say that, yes, you will pay more money going to Arwan, right? But at the same time, you might feel so much more vibrant eating that food that you're a battery charger for people around you. And then you might meet a millionaire in there who's down on his luck and is like, hey, man, you really made me laugh. What do you do for work? And then all of a sudden now you're getting paid buku bucks to do it. Who knows what happens, right? But having faith and arguing for your possibilities is really the quickest way I have found to create wholeness and totality and happiness 
in your experience of life. And really, I believe that we're here to be happy, right? We're not here as sinners, right? We're not here to be, you know, woe is me, right? We're here to really argue for our possibilities and ask us what is possible now. And I think that we, when we come from that part of view, that point of view, you know, we have so much more opportunity to, you know, have fulfilling relationships, to do something we love, to have positive plant medicine experiences, even if they're challenging, right? Because we see it as, oh, wow, that illuminated so much for me. I'm so grateful for that, right? Rather than like, oh, I did that and it was terrible and, you know, it all happened to me, right? You're more likely to see it happening for you on the other side. And personally, I'd much rather live life than have life live me. And so, dude, you know, this has been so much fun. I love getting the riff with you, man. We're gonna have to do around four or five, six, all the way up to 10, man. I'm coming out to California again in March. I say we do one in person. That would be so much fun. And uh, you're going to be a consistent guest on this show, man. So, you know, for the people that maybe haven't listened to the other two uh, episodes we've had, first of all, go listen to them. They're absolute fire, full of so many gems. But for those people who haven't, you know, found out where to find you, where can people find you? Uh, What services are you offering? And how would you like to stay in touch with people? Uh, definitely. So people can find me um, on Instagram at jganzook. Ganzook is G-A-N-D like David, Z like Zebra, J like Jason, U-K. Website is specializedhealthandexercise.com. Uh, right now, I'm currently offering integrative plant medicine therapy, have it be uh, facilitating a private or a group ceremony for somebody or also doing integrative actual therapy and integration, uh, holistic lifestyle coaching. Um, for women, I'm offering, of course, holistic lifestyle coaching for men, so men and women, but I have a specific program just for women, um, offering a biomechanical and physical assessment person. So high performance, um, exercise conditioning, uh, medical Qigong energy work in person and online. And I'm just getting ready to launch limitless online coaching platform, which is going to be pretty much. Uh, a community that I'm going to be creating where there's going to be, they're going to have access to uh, live calls with me weekly to where I'm going to be answering any questions they have related to, you know, uh, health, love, relationships, just anything. And then I'm also going to be teaching um, some new Qigong exercises towards uh, for everybody um, and pretty much creating a little bit of a system where they're going to be going through the process of really harnessing the relationship with their soul so they can have soul guidance throughout these challenging times. Beautiful, man. Applicable for coaches, uh, trainers. Uh, it's applicable for anybody because there's going to be a significant amount of information that I'm going to be sharing. Uh, and I'm going to, I'm offering that for the people that don't have the funds to afford my private coaching. Um, this is a fraction of the fee. I'm, I think it's $79 a month and you have four hours of live time with me a month. That's pretty, pretty good. Um, Absolutely. You ask anything. You know, that's the thing. If I can't answer your question completely, I will email you or we'll schedule a call and I'll be able to answer it more fully then. So everybody will have their questions answered. I'll make sure that. Man, you know, that's so needed in today's world, right? Like we live in a world that I feel so many people are looking for guidance in and to be able to come to someone like you who has so much experience to gain info on so many different subjects that really allows someone to have a higher quality of life you know, I really feel it's the perfect time to be able to offer that and to be able to have people find that. And, you know, my last question, you know, I usually ask, of course, I've asked you it twice now, right? And I think I changed it the second time too. But, you know, considering the vibe of this episode, I'm going to change it on spot and we'll see how it comes out, right? But my question is this for you, Jason, if someone listening could only make one change to highly optimize and allow themselves to embody honesty 
in their life, what would Jason Ganzuk suggest they do to make one change in their life to give themselves a more easy look at honesty? Wow, that's a great question. There can be a lot of answers. <laughs> I would say the thing, well, the first thing that comes to mind is just sit with yourself in silence for at least five to 10 minutes a day. Just mm. sit and do nothing. You can place your hand over your heart, your right hand over your heart for men and your left hand over your heart for women. And you can just even repeat something as simple as I am worthy of receiving love because mm. the more worthy you feel like you are receiving love, the more energy you'll have to be honest. I love that. So I think can be the simplest thing is just to sit and do nothing or sit and keep it simple, place your hand over your heart and just say, I am worthy of receiving love. I am worthy of receiving love. Mm. Um, that is an expression of you being honest with yourself that you're worthy of receiving the love. Because if you don't feel honest, if you don't feel worthy of receiving love, that means you're not being honest with yourself. Everybody's worthy of receiving love. Yes. Just by being here, you are worthy, right? You are deserving of everything that you want in life. And what I love about that is it's attainable for everyone, right? So long as you have arms, right? You're able to put your hand over your heart and say that to yourself. And I feel those are the things that, you know, are so powerful because in a world where, you know, people have different demographics, ages, genders, everything, right? You know, everyone has the ability to do the simple things that come with just being able to be a human being, right? Like put your put your hand over your heart and tell yourself you're worthy. I absolutely love that, man. And I think it's so attainable for people, regardless of age, demographic, gender, et cetera. And okay, guys, I'm sure it is easy to see why Jason has become a regular guest on the show. His ability to navigate the worlds of plant medicines and psychedelics, holistic health as a whole, and spirituality, to name but a few, allows for an extremely well-rounded approach to speak to the links between all of these realms and how to achieve balance within them. If there is one thing I've learned in life, it is that balance is key to a life well-lived, and to have someone like Jason in my life that is a constant reminder of what balance and presence looks, feels, and acts like is truly a gift. For anyone who is interested in diving deeper into Jason's work and working with him one-on-one to achieve balance and presence in your life, do yourself a big favor and reach out to him to begin that journey today. Jason, thank you so much, as always, for being a constant source of love in my life, for always being down to share a bag of good smoke with me, and for allowing to tap further and further into childlike curiosity with regards to life as a whole. And until next time, my brother, may your journey be smooth and full of light. Aho.